We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and it's always with great pleasure that we bring you another week filled full of uh, cruise news, maritime history, listener questions, and who knows, maybe even a fact or fiction as well. Now, thank you for continuing to listen, like, and subscribe, share, and do everything you can to keep the podcast up in the podcast charts. It's working, so please uh, continue, and uh, thank you from the bottom of our heart. Of course, if you have a listener question or you want to do a cruise review, simply get in touch via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner and uh, send that little message to us, and myself or Chris will get back to you and arrange uh, a little chat or conversation or even just answer that burning question that you may have. Now, this week's show, Chris will be joining us in just a second for the latest uh, uh, maritime history. That's actually brought to us by a listener question. Thank you to Todd in the UK for that one. I'm going to share my experience of Norwegian Viva in Europe, and then we'll round out the show with uh, the latest in uh, cruise news. So let's get Chris on the line. Let's start talking all things cruise and enjoy the show. Chris, hello again. Hello. The uh, jet lag has uh, finally caught up. I'm actually more tired today than I was last time we spoke. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, you kind of push dear. through for that first week back and then the weekend hits and it's like, uh, yeah. I want to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> well, best you go and have a little siesta after we've done this one then maybe, mate. Oh, no, yeah. How are you? Good week? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you. Um, I think after we spoke last week, I ended up with the bug that we brought back from Bali, but uh, oh, probably lasted no. about three days and then, uh, then I'm good again. So, yeah, not yeah. too bad at all. And the uh, podcast is out a little bit late this week. Yes, because there's a, I want to say a minor, but I think it's quite a big technical issue behind the scenes, <laughs> which hopefully we will have that resolved tomorrow evening and then when life can resume as normal and the podcast will be uh, back out. So yes, if you're getting this midweek instead of uh, Sunday, then uh, that's the reason why. Yeah, shame I was talking to Barry because we, we always record this on the weekend and uh, he's like, a five-minute job that's supposed to be a five-minute job and it's been three hours. <laughs> and I was like, and it hasn't oh, worked. No. <laughs> you poor man. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, Anyhow, that's technology, isn't it? It is. It is. It's the way of the world, I think. Most of our <laughs> listeners probably um, can probably relate to that. <laughs> Should we start off with a list of questions? Let's do that. Okay, so I did send this one through to you. I thought it'd be a nice little bit of maritime history. Uh, Todd in the UK was walking along the Thames and spotted a paddle steamer, which he thinks the name was P.S. Waverley. Uh-huh. Um, he did a bit of uh, Googling just to get a little bit, but he wondered what we may or may not know of it. Um, I also did a bit of Googling, but uh, I think you know more than, than either of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she's an interesting ship. 
Uh, she is a paddle steamer that was built in 1946, so just after World War II, um, and she was built uh, in Glasgow by A and J Inglis, which was a shipbuilding company in Glasgow, mm-hmm. um, and still in service to this day. I believe um, the finest example of that style of paddle steamer that still exists and still operates, um, you know, as a regular doing regular sailings mm-hmm. um, and it had quite an interesting um, little little history so it when it was first built in 1946 she was doing sailings up the Clyde so she was actually operating um, passenger services um, and she operated on that service until the 1970s if you can believe it so wow. you know paddle steamer ship that's um, got very traditional um, old style um, mechanics and, and engineering um, having a a useful sort of career all the way to the 1970s. Um, the ship itself is 693 uh, gross tons, and she is um, 73 meters long, so 238 and a half feet, 39 feet. Good um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, and 17 um, 17 meters um, wide, so she's she's you know a relatively small ship, but a really unique vessel. Um, it was retired from service uh, after that um, initial um, run, and the reason why it was was built, um, interestingly enough, was to work in tandem with the British Railways um, that required you know passengers to be moved and goods to be moved from the railway hubs up up and down to different parts of. Um, of Scotland on the on the Clyde, mm. so she she had that sort of um, service until until the nineteen seventies, and with the nationalisation of the British Railways in nineteen forty eight, um, the the ship was actually run amongst others um, under a sort of subsidiary of the railway company. Right. So yeah, quite a tangled web there. Um, she was, uh, as I mentioned, she was retired and. Um, was then purchased and converted into um, a sort of historic ship. And she's had a couple of different sort of um, careers, I suppose, um, in, that, in that regard. She, she actually used to be quite regularly seen um, by passengers on the QE2 when it was coming and going from um, Southampton. Mm-hmm. And you could, in the late 90s and early 2000s, actually, um, book passage on the Waverley and follow the QE2 out. Um, and in fact, a, a family member of ours who um, who lives in the south coast of the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, he used to go on the Waverley. And I have some oh, wonderful right. photographs somewhere in, in my personal archive, buried deep in a container somewhere, um, that he that he shared with me of QE2 right up close to to this um, paddle steamer. And both, of course, being built in Scotland, the two ships would. Um, you know, sound their whistles with each other, and it was a yeah. big sort of spectacle. These these two um, grand old <laughs> grand old ladies of the sea. Um, these days, of course, it's been restored back to its uh, original color scheme. So the ship, when it first came into service, had um, red, white, and black funnels. For a period, she actually sailed with um, buff or yellow colored funnels with a black black top. It looked a little bit like a white star. Mm-hmm. Line color color scheme, but she's now back to her um, what they what they believe is the original colors that the ship uses. Um, and what's really interesting about the ship is she actually still is powered by her um, 
diagonal triple expansion marine steam engine, which is, you know, super. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's really old school technology. Like it is, it's a steam engine. Um, It's got three. So triple expansion means that the steam is circulated three times within the engine. So it goes into high pressure, intermediate and low pressure chambers. Um, Engineers, please forgive me. I'm probably butchering the technical terms, but (laughs) effectively, if you can imagine the steam flow coming in from the boiler and then it's it's as hot and as high pressure as it will be in the first chamber. Then it gets sort of yeah. bled off into the second one and into the third one. So it gives the, the, the engine a chance to use that energy three times on three different sets of pistons. Mm. Um, and, in fact, the actual full title, Baz, is a three-crank diagonal triple expansion marine steam engine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the engine was built in Scotland as well. And, um, you know, she can... She can actually, in her sea trial, she achieved um, 18 and a half knots. So, you know, not, not world-breaking speed, but pretty, pretty reasonable speed for a paddle steamer. And also, paddle wheels are less efficient than propellers because only a portion of the paddle is in the water at any one time, and the rest yeah. of it, of course, is out of the water. So you're losing a whole heap of energy to, to the momentum. So mm-hmm. for her to be able to achieve those speeds is pretty cool. Um, and so, yeah, she's a, a beautiful... Um, little ship I, I believe i think you said that um maybe she's doing a a tour of the united kingdom at the moment well yeah the little bit of research i said uh, i got the tail end of her being in london which is obviously where todd todd saw her sailing down the thames through mm. uh, tower bridge and then i think she was next off to bristol i think don't quote me on that um and was then heading back up to to scotland i'm guessing they don't do too much over the winter and then she'll be back in maybe spring yeah, exactly. And again, she like had to sort of overcome changes in technologies and changes in transportation. Obviously, the railways don't rely on paddle steamers anymore. Um, there was, you know, world world events that the ship had to see its way through, like the tourism downturn after nine eleven, and of course the the COVID um, shutdown. Um, and yet, all these years later, twenty twenty three, she still endures. So it's a beautiful mm-hmm. sort of um, tribute to the. To the engineering, but also to the passion that people have to maintain these unique and historic vessels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So thanks for that one, Todd, and uh, of course to you, Chris, for, for having the, the great answers as always. No if, worries. Um, if you do have a question that you want to send through, then you can do so uh, by the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show, which is up in the top right-hand corner, and send it through, and uh, either myself, Chris, or between the two of us, we'll, we'll work on the answer for you. Um, Sounds good. Chris, we've got a little bit of cruise news, but I realise I haven't actually shared my experience of Norwegian Viva. Do you want to do a cruise review? Or Sounds next? good to me. Yeah, let's do it. Head over to Facebook now and hit the like button. Sure. So just to recap, Chris, um, oh, back in August, um, I was very privileged to be invited to experience Norwegian Viva. Uh, for full transparency, it was a uh, travel industry event. There was travel partners from all over the world that uh, mm-hmm. were, were invited and hosted uh, by Norwegian um, from Lisbon through to Rome. Now, I flew actually into the UK initially, uh, had a little bit of time back there, and then into Lisbon, had one night at the um, the Great Luxury Hotel, which is, this is my best Portuguese, Cruzada de Lisboa, um, Praco Ooh. de Comercial. Um, so this is, I don't know if you've, have you been to Lisbon? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so you know where the main square is. They call it Commercial Square. Yeah. Um, 
the yellow um, official buildings all around the square there. It's actually inside one of those official buildings there. So it's a small luxury Hotels of the World property. Um, I suspect oh, right. it had some sort of connections to the church because there's lots of saintly statue-type mm. things around. Um, but, yeah, beautiful property. And uh, only 10-minute walk to the ship. So uh, literally had a legendary breakfast. I think my check-in allocation was from 11 onwards. Um, so literally had breakfast, took the bags, and literally just strolled 10 minutes along the waterfront and was at the uh, the main cruise terminal there in no time uh, whatsoever. Fantastic. And is this your first experience on a uh, Prima Class ship? It is, yes, mm-hmm. on Prima Class. I have done Norwegian before, but not Prima Class. Okay. Um, um, and yeah, in summary, I loved it, but obviously we're going to talk in a bit more detail about yeah. it in just, just a second. Sure. The... So when it came... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Go on. I was going to say, when it came to the arrivals process, so like checking in and um, you know embarkation, how was that organised? Super easy. Um, so it was an official embarkation port. The whole ship was embarking in Lisbon. Okay. Um, from me um, entering the, the, the queue system, not that there was a queue, but there was barricades in place for queues if they needed to be. Um, so from entering that to actually walking to, up the gangway was less than 10 mm. minutes. 10 minutes, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Now, I chose not to walk up the gangway. I actually chose to go back in because I didn't go and see too much of Lisbon. I had been there before, but I just wanted to retrace a few places. Um, so literally got to the edge of the gangway and decided to go back into Lisbon, spent a couple of hours wandering around, then went back to the ship. And when I went back for the second time, there was no queue at all. I literally just wandered straight through the terminal, had my oh, wow. uh, sail kind already, oh. and literally straight, uh, straight onto the ship and uh, experienced that uh, new ship smell once again. That's quite interesting, actually. So you did your check-in and then let the luggage and that go on the ship and you went yeah. into the city. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. What a great idea. Yeah. And it worked really well. And uh, Lisbon, well, as you, as all of Europe was buzzing this year, but Lisbon was uh, heaving lo- loads of tourists, but lots of loads of locals. It was just a really, yeah. really nice vibe. So it's a great spot if people haven't been to Lisbon. So when you did come back to the ship and you stepped on board, what were your first impressions? Um, really impressed. Um even though I had done Norwegian before, the colour schemes, the decor, the quality of the furnishings, should I say, um, I think had been stepped up. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, when you, you sit on a lounge, I don't know, the, the quality of the fabrics and things that have been used just felt superior. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the previous versions of Norwegian, mm. but this just felt like it was bordering. Yeah, gone a step up, maybe gone towards Oceania, if hadn't gone to like a region standard, but yeah. Within the family, they've obviously uh, shared some expertise in the, the kind of the luxury space and the yeah, and okay, feel. Um, really, really nice. And in terms of the scale of the ship, um, you know, compared to say other Norwegian cruise line ships that you've been on, when you kind of boarding the ship, what are the things that really stand out in terms of the visuals? So you walk into the atrium, mm-hmm. um, which from memory is a three of uh, yeah three three deck atrium, um, but it's not all focused on the inside of the atrium. The one thing that Norwegian have done really well with this, and I've said it previously, for a long time, a lot of cruise lines focused on the interior of the ship and forgot about the, you know, uh-huh. the fact that you're on an ocean. This yep. is glass windows everywhere, natural light, views mm-hmm. of the ocean everywhere you go. Um, and the color schemes reflect the ocean and the coastline. It's just got a really nice upmarket vibe. Oh, how fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yep. even... I think we were sailing at about 70% occupancy because they kept the first three sailings not quite full, just so that the crew could get used to things. Mm-hmm. Even at 70%, there was never a queue. There was never 
um, you know, anywhere where you couldn't get a spot to sit around the, the public spaces and things. It was just mm. a really nice feel. And then I imagine you would have gone to your cabin or stateroom yes, quite soon yes. after then. So what was your impressions of that? How, what so kind I, of a category were you traveling in? Uh, it was a balcony on deck 12, uh, just, uh, just a little bit rear aft of the forward lifts. Okay. So I wouldn't say it was midship, but it wasn't far from it. Um, and very, very spacious. Um, the A large oversized queen bed, a mm-hmm. large three-seat sofa, vanity area, um, nice-sized balcony with a sliding door versus the pushing out door. Yeah. Um, Oversized bathroom, huge shower, um, and definitely okay. glass, which I always ask uh, everybody else, of course. Um, so sh- shower door rather than curtain? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh. Shower door. Excellent. Um, yeah, it no, just seems quite good with that, actually. Yeah, no, they do. Um, I honestly feel like you could – it didn't accommodate five people, but I think you could probably get away with two adults and three children maybe if it was permitted. But uh, wow. I think it was set so up to really spacious. accommodate four. So, yeah, it was, it was really spacious. Wow. Uh, good hanging space, USB ports absolutely everywhere, whether it was your bedside table and the vanity. Um, okay. Yeah, and a combination of uh, European and, and US uh, sockets as well. Fantastic. And charging near, you know, near the beds, is there? Um, was it easy to charge? I, yeah. I, I hear a lot of comments about, you know, the older ships where you can't plug your phone in next to, on the bedside table, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, each of the, the, the bedside lamps on both sides of the, the bed had USB and USB-C, I think it was. It was two, two individual sockets per side mm-hmm. um, and another socket if you wanted to put a, a travel adapter in and you know, charge tablets or laptops or whatever as well. Cool. Great. And then um, what's the dining situation like on board? Uh, what, what, what kind of options do you have? So Norwegian, I've got an an array of included restaurants and a lot of uh, for-fee restaurants or supplement restaurants. Um, I have to say that even though a lot of restaurants do have a fee, you don't necessarily need to dine in them. Norwegian has seriously upped the quality of their food based on Uh their previous experience. Sure. Um, And so the whether it's the the Surfside Cafe, which is their leader restaurant, I guess, whether it's the two main main restaurants that you can choose from, Um, there or the uh, indulged food hall, which I'll explain in just a second. The quality of the food was really, really good, and uh, I would wouldn't necessarily worry about too much about having to go and do a speciality dining. But of course, here in Australia, we include a minimum of two speciality dinings in the the, the cruise price anyway. So oh, really? Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So it's part oh, nice. of the free at sea, the five promotion campaign, um, that gets included. Um, so does that just sit on your cabin account for you to use when you board the ship? Yeah, yeah, and when you go to a specialty restaurant to make a reservation in the app, it says, "Do you want to use your um, complimentary uh, specialty dining?" Oh, nice! Uh, yeah. yeah, great. So, with all that options and two uh, specialty dining, you're probably pretty set. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, to go back to f- indulge food hall, so this is down on deck eight on the aft of the ship. Yep. Um, and it's not the buffet. So the buffet is still up on deck twelve or thirteen. Uh, that's what they call the surf side. Um, sure. The indulged food hall is a bit like a food court, but not. <laughs> there okay. is um, an Asian street food kiosk. There is Spanish tapas. There's okay Indian sure. tasting plate. So it's basically, I think there's seven or eight different ven- mini venues within the venue. You order mm-hmm. from a tablet that's on the table in front of you. Um, everything's included. It's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, breakfast is kind of a light breakfast, but lunch and dinner uh, is the the themed areas. 
Um, and yeah, you can just get little tasting plates of Indian, tasting plates of Mediterranean, whatever you fancy. You just and it was my go-to really. I like just having those little bite-sized tastes and um, for, for lunch and dinner. Um, and went back time and time again, and the food was incredible. The service is so speedy, and of course, you can order drinks uh, along with it as well. So yeah, oh, I recommend the food. That's fantastic. Um, did you have a favourite place to dine? Okay, outside of indulge, I would probably say Paloma. So Paloma okay. is a new restaurant for Norwegian. It is one that's sort of surcharge, okay. um, and it's Spanish slash Mediterranean inspired, um, with a little slant towards seafood and fish. But there are non-seafood and fish items on the menu as well. Mm-hmm. But just like all of their dining venues, floor to ceiling, glass windows, color schemes, amazing. Um, you know, you're sailing around the med, you sunset, and you, you're just watching the world go by as you're enjoying some really, really beautiful cuisine. So that would probably be my oh. favorite speciality. We also oh. tried teppanyaki, we did sushi, um, and I've done the Italian and the bistro previously with Norwegian. So it's good just to try a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, the On the Norwegian spirit, there was like a main sort of standard traditional dining room windows at the back. Did the Norwegian Viva have that? Yes, so it it's um, it's technically two restaurants, um, Hudson's and Commodore Rooms. They're called. Okay. Um, different color scheme, similar menus, but yeah, wrap around. I think they can say two seventy views sure. um, from from that particular restaurant. Um, but that's that's common across the entire show. It doesn't matter where you go; you're going to see the ocean. It's, it's, yeah, they've done it really excellent. Well. That's really great. Um, and in terms of entertainment, then, so what was the sort of daytime entertainment like? So being in the meds, we were in port every day bar one. Um, okay. so we'll get to the itinerary a little bit later. Um, so there was activities going on around the ship, but most people were just happy to relax and chill because they knew that the next few days after that first sea day, that they were going to be in port. It was going to be busy, busy, busy. So there was a lot of people trying out all the experiences on board, whether it was the water park, the splash park, the drop slides, the speedway, which is the go cart. I was going to ask you, did you do the drop? I didn't do the drop, no. No. Um, not my <laughs> I, don't blame, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's four slides, two on each side of the ship, two different s- slides on each side. Um, the dry slide, so you go down in like a, a beanbag for one for a better word, not a, not a yeah. sleeping bag. Uh, Emma from Emma Cruises, um, she's done a video of it and she actually did it and it looks terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, some of the cal- balcony cabins actually face onto it. So uh, yeah, if you, yeah, if you want to... Curious. Here, you hear the screaming you as scream, people go past. You can choose one of those cabins, I guess. Um, of course, there's a speedway up on the top deck. There's um, putt-putt. There's activities everywhere. But it never felt like you couldn't get to do what you wanted to do. There was plenty of space, plenty of opportunities sure. for every, everybody to do everything. Um, show-wise, so in the main theatre, the signature production is Beetlejuice. They did notify us before we travelled that it's whilst the show was on the ship, it wasn't ready for its full... Um, full uh, performance just yet, so that wasn't sure. available. But they did have the Ocean Music Festival. They did a f- couple of incredible shows using their, their onboard talents, which were, was incredible. But one thing they would do really well on the ship, and I've never seen it done, and it, I don't know if it's a Norwegian thing or just on, on the, this class of ship, but you know some of these newer ships, the the, the theatre is also the nightclub, and oh, they kind of reconfigure okay. the room. Um, well, normally on other ships that I've been on, they ask you to leave the theatre. Um, yeah. So the staff can come in and put seats away, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But with Norwegian, it's actually part of the end of the show. 
So, oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. So they, there's all these technicians that are, you know, standing by and they encourage everybody to stand up and, you know, move to a particular part of the theater or dance or whatever. And as they're doing that, the seats start to retract and lounges come out and lighting changes. Yeah, oh, and clever. And then it moves straight into the nightclub, like seamlessly. It's done so, so well. There you go. Hmm. Wow. I suppose it creates a really big space for the nightclub. Yeah, exactly. And then there's, of course, you know, comedy club going on around the, the ship. A lot mm. of the agents went to Sid Norman's Poorhouse, which had these different music tribute acts every evening. So music's definitely a, a staple of everything that's going on uh, around the ship. Of, uh, yeah. Okay. And um, the, the so the evening entertainment, there's the the, the meals and, the, um, and dining, there's the things to do during the day. What, what about the bars and lounges in terms of just having a drink or somewhere to sit? Oh, yeah, plenty of opportunities. Um, and... In almost all of the bars, there is the option of either ordering from a tablet, which is available on the table, or you just call yep. over a, a member of staff. I have to say, Norwegian's doing well. They're not trying to force everybody onto technology. There, there okay. is still a lot of crew available for you to order from a human if you want to. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, not a problem. Super speedy service, friendly service. They, um, the unit the thing cab- that- Are the cabin service daily or double daily? Uh, daily, but having said that, my steward was visible in our corridor from probably 8 a.m. till 1 p.m. And then again, okay. from about 4 till 8. So if you were passing by, he'd always say, hello, how are you doing, where have you been? If you needed anything, need some towels, you want it, he was no problem, he'd just jump in. Oh, wow, okay, go. good. Yeah. 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 Cool. It's like, a bit like an upmarket hotel then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what was the itinerary? Where did you sail from so, Lisbon to? Lisbon, then we had a day at sea. Uh, then we were at Ibiza, uh, mm-hmm. Palma de Mallorca. Barcelona, Cannes, Livorno for Florence and Pisa, and then into Rome for disembarkation. Okay, and um, ports, uh, rather docking or um, or, or tender calls. Uh, Ibiza, Palma, Barcelona was docked. Cannes was tender. Livorno was docked, and Rome was docked. Okay, so, so how did, how does Norwegian do the tender service? Do they they do well. Yes, um, they use the combination of their own vessels uh-huh. and local um, vessels as well. So there was two Norwegian ships in that same day. Our Prima wasn't using its own tenders. The other ship was using its own tenders. We were using local uh, oversized ferries. It's probably the best way to describe them. Um, super speedy yep. to get off the ship and get into town. Uh, Ken's is always a bit of a cue to get back to your tender, but they do it really well. They've got the snake system, which is uh, the queuing system, underneath shade cloth, and they've got the misting oh, stations, cool. and they've got yeah. crew available wet towels. So even though it was a stinking hot day, they do what they can to, to make sure that you're hydrated and uh, as cool as can be before you get back onto the ship. Excellent. And I think to, to finish up, um, are you prepared for a quick fire round? Sure, you're so all, all to do with this particular cruise, because I know we've done a quick fire round for your general cruising before. Okay. Um, so your favourite port on this visit? Uh, Ibiza, but that's for personal reasons, and I caught up with some very, very good friends that I used to work with in Ibiza a long, long time okay. ago. And did you have a favourite port that you that, that wasn't sort of connected with your past? Um, probably Barcelona. I've been there time and time again. Um, I did work there previously, but it's, I just love going back there. It just feels like my second home. Sure. Your favourite place on board to get a drink? Oh, now this is unusual because I'm not a whiskey drinker, but uh-huh. my favourite place was the whiskey bar because the crew were brilliant. They they just had this really 
nice banter um, with everybody. It didn't matter where you were from in the world. Um, they, they just seemed to just really enjoy their job. And uh, even if you weren't drinking whiskey, they were happy to create a, a cocktail for you or oh, uh, cool. get, get a different drink from a different bar if need be. So that was, that was my kind of go-to at the end of the evening. Favorite on-deck location to watch the sail away? Deck 8, um, which is the wraparound deck, uh, mm-hmm. which we talked about. It's got the, um, the indulged food all on. So all the way around Deck 8, there is some dining venues. There's bar venues. There's um, swimming pools. Uh, it's basically a wraparound deck but with lots of amenities on it. Um, and the lounge seating that they've got on various parts of that deck is just beautiful. And, uh, yeah, just pull up a lounge, order a drink, and watch sunset. Mm, nice. Favorite place to grab a coffee? I do know you're a coffee fan, Bart. Now, they do have Starbucks on board, but I'm not a big fan of Starbucks. Um, so okay, yeah. I didn't generally order uh, a coffee. In fact, I don't think I ordered a coffee on board the ship at all. I, I waited till I got ashore. Wow, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit fair of a enough. fan of Spanish coffee. Yeah, fair enough. In those ports, you know, they, they can make a good coffee in those ports. Yeah. So <laughs> why not? Yeah. Cruise ship coffee's got a lot better over, over the years, but I think one of the big things, I don't know, um, if it's the same on Viva, but I think one of the big things that changes it is that if you, if you they're using long life milk, it just doesn't taste the same yeah, as it does yeah. on land. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's probably it. The one thing about this ship that you think that all other cruise lines should do. Ooh, okay. Um... Is there one thing that stood out? You're like, I really wish they all did that. Apart from the shower curtain, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the whole Deck 8 situation. It's just done really well. And there's a couple of other cruise lines that do it, but I've never seen it done as well as it was on this vessel. So how, um, how is that? Just paint, paint a picture for us. So I guess if you start at the, the bow at the front of the ship, you walk along, there's uh, some um, infinity pools, then there's these little mm. day beds that are kind of half submerged in water, half not. So it's just a really high-end resort feel. Then yep. it moves into an area where there's a couple of restaurants and bars that are both indoor or outdoor. Then it continues on to around the food, indulge food hall and that level of seating and decor. It's like being in a, a beach club, for, for one for better words. Um, oh, yeah, fantastic. And then on the other side, they've got sculptures, and but they call it Sculptures by the Sea, which is something that we have here in Perth as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just done really, really well. Um, and it, it never feels claustrophobic. It's big, wide, expensive deck. So, um, yeah, that, that's something that I'd, I'd love to see more and more of, just connecting with the water in general. There you go. And to finalize our quick fire round, if 10 was the best cruise you've ever been on and one was the worst, where would this one rank? I'm going to say nine and a half. Wow. Really impressed you then, hey? Yeah. Beautiful ship. Great part of the world, which I love. Crew. Probably some of the best. Um, I, I didn't have any bad service anywhere I went. Um, and a really nice mix of passengers. Um, but it wasn't heavily American. It wasn't heavily British or European. It was just a really nice mix of guests from all over the world. It was just, yeah, really nice. There you go. That's amazing. And actually sounds very like a much grander scale, a much newer ship, but your sort of placement of how impressed you were kind of aligns with where i was with norwegian spirit after a refit like yeah. again just i think they they brought a lot of the things from the prima class when they did the refit and tried to the look and make feel, the yeah. ship yeah the look and feel it is very impressive isn't it yeah no it is, it is. Yeah. well done well, done to well thanks for sharing that no and thank you norwegian for for hosting me it was a great experience and uh, very very much appreciate it
Nice. Let's take a quick break, mate, and then we've got a little bit of cruise news. We do. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Okay, mate, uh, not much in the cruise news uh, from the world this week, but uh, let's kick it off with Explorer One, who's had a little ceremony in New York. Yeah, so they had the uh, cutting of the ribbon and the champagne on the bow um, to commemorate the ship's um, debut, and it all took place in New York City bars. Yeah, yeah, no, they've... uh... Going from strength to strength, we know we've already got Explorer two and three kind of under construction um, in in Europe, and before we know it, I think we'll have a series of six ships for Explorer, which is of course the luxury line of the uh, MSC group. And mm. a couple of friends have uh, were actually on board um, Explorer whilst I was on um, Norwegian, and uh, I've just spoken to them the last week or so, and they said that it was incredible, really, really good product. They've done a really yeah. good job with that. And she, the ship looks amazing. Like mm. so many people that I am contact, you know, connected with are saying. It's the best-looking cruise ship in such a long time. It just oh, has that fantastic exterior appearance, doesn't it? Yeah, no, no, it does look good. And, uh, nice. and interiors equally as well. Um, now, nice. Our friends at Costa over in Europe are celebrating 75 years this year, Chris. Yeah, isn't it lovely to see all these cruise lines reconnecting with their history? It's mm. so good. <laughs> yeah, 70, 75 years. Their, um, their story begins all the way back in um, 1948, um, and their first ship was Anna C, um, mm. which was the, um, the ship that inaugurated their passenger services. Um, they're currently celebrating um, their anniversary. In fact, it'll be just this week that the podcast comes out that they will um, they will commemorate those celebrations because the the first uh, voyage uh, departed on the nineteenth of October. That's right. We've got a whole series of events that are taking place in Genoa as a part of those celebrations. Um, so have a little look in the show notes because we've got a few little extra notes there that will help you better understand what's going on over in Italy. Yeah. They also have said that their inaugural, their, rather their anniversary celebrations will um, include an initiative to support important local organisations that play vital roles in helping vulnerable vulnerable individuals. So they're going to donate some of the or work with these, these uh, organisations to put some of the uh, focus on that. Yeah, part of that is delivering over a million meals uh, to the to the local community as mm. well. So, well done, Costa. Good on them. Now, surprise, surprise, uh, Uniworld came out with some news this week that I didn't see coming, but uh, they've actually taken uh, or will be taken taking delivery of two new riverboats. Now, these are riverboats that were previously part of the Crystal River fleet. Yeah, so they're bringing in these these two um, vessels. The first one is joining the fleet will be named SS Victoria. Um, parting in 2024, and then the SS Elizabeth, spelled with an S, mm. E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, um, which will um, join the fleet in 2025. It's a long time to leave the second one waiting to to enter service, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think somebody else actually has these vessels. I forget. They're, the they're running them at the moment. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and Uniwell are going to take them over for a five-year um, agreement. But the, the, the English company in the UK took all of the crystal vessels, so the four uh-huh. Mozart class and the, the one, uh, the Mozart was the double width, wasn't it? It was the uh, yeah. It was the, the four newer vessels and the one Mozart, which was the double width, and they're operating them at the moment. But it looks like, yeah, Uniworld's going to take them over and uh, run all of the hotel services, et cetera, and uh, uh-huh. be a great addition to the Uniworld fleet, which is selling so fast. I saw some updates from, uh-huh. from Uniworld this week. Um, just saying that you know availability is pretty tight for 2024 already. That's good though. 
Mm, it is a good problem to have. Now, PNO UK Chris have announced that their winter twenty five twenty six. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> oh, we're giving, it's giving you a headache, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I'm not coping with this. <laughs> winter twenty five twenty six, which for anyone in the southern hemisphere will be summer twenty five twenty six. Yeah, yeah. So they've uh, they're going on sale with a whole heap of deployments, which will see them sailing uh, to twelve new ports for the very very first time. Mm. Um, and again, they've uh, listed a number of different places uh, that's. They're going to be visiting as part of these uh, celebrations again. It's a whole list in the show notes, but anything jumping out to you, Chris? Well, Britannia will be doing some new Caribbean fly cruise holidays, which mm-hmm. I think will be very popular. Um, P&O's you know, had a presence in the Caribbean for, for a long time, so it's always always popular. Um, Aurora's doing a series of new, new voyages, including a 75-night grand tour around South America, which, again, those South American... Uh, voyages are always uh, very popular yeah. um, that actually takes place in 2026 which will be after her big refurbishment so ah. the ship will look quite smart i think by then um similarly arcadia will be doing the world cruise in 2026 and she too is due for a, a pretty sizable refit between now and then mm. um and so uh, i mean arcadia will be coming to our part of the world would love to go on board and see the ship after the big big changes yeah um and aurora is in fact my favorite pando uk ship so any opportunity to get back on aurora she is a one-off um the last ship designed by the peninsula and oriental steam navigation company before the carnival merger mm-hmm. um just an absolutely beautiful ship so yeah if um had an opportunity to jump on board aurora i would take it in a heartbeat. Okay, Chris, the next and last piece of news from around the world is from Paul Gauguin, which is, of course, part mm-hmm. of the Penant family. Um, they've announced a uh, health or medical assistance uh, program with the French Polynesian government. Yeah, they have, Baz. What's what's going on? So earlier last week, um, Tote Gauguin was signed off on Tote, meaning uh, Doctor in Tahitian, so Doctor mm-hmm. Gauguin. Um, and basically, the, the medical team from the ship are going to um, undertake... Uh, a voyage which will take them to regional communities and the mm-hmm. medical team will provide some assistance um, using the equipment that they have on board which is often not available in some of these remote communities over in, in Polynesia. Yeah, I think the captain noted that um, one of the ports that they were doing this at had no medical imaging facilities so that those ultrasounds obviously were, were yeah. very valuable to people in that region because they can't do it on land. Yeah, exactly. And Paul Bogan has been in this part of the world for so long. They, they do a lot of good work, but this is just an extra yeah. thing that they're adding to their bow to, to support the local community. There you go. Yeah. And that, my friend, is all we've got in cruise news. There we go. But I do have a fact or fiction for you. Oh, okay. Is this one you've created or is it coming via, uh, via No, YouTube? this is one I've created and it's actually I'm, I'm winging, winging it because this um this particular podcast gave me the inspiration <laughs> okay let's see it then go fact or fiction fact or fiction baz in the 1990s cunard ran a sizable european river cruising operation oh i think you might be trying to trip me off i think it was actually piano uk i don't think it was cunard Fact or fiction? Fiction for Cunard. Fact for Carnival slash piano. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's it's fact actually. I got you ah. this time. So this is in the nineteen nineties, right? It's in an era before the Carnival acquisition. So it it actually peaked in nineteen ninety four, 
And Cunard was owned by the Trafalgar House Company. And Trafalgar House had a um, had interests in, in not just in Cunard, but also in hotels mm-hmm. and also in, in river cruising. And in 1993 through to 1995 or 96, that kind of period there, they actually blocked it all underneath the Cunard management. So you actually had a series of river cruising vessels that were operating as Cunard river cruisers. And it actually included the Mozart and another well-known river cruising um, vessel called the Dresden. And these two ships, you can actually see them in Cunard's 1993 and 1994 um, global cruise brochures, of which I have some copies in my my archive. (laughs) Um, And interestingly enough, although I should say this for another fact or fiction, but they also managed a number of hotels, including the Watergate Hotel uh, in the United States and the Ritz. So... Uh, Cunard had quite an interesting little connection there when it came to what Trafalgar House put under its control during the 90s. Ah, see, I thought you were trying to trip me up because I do recall that PO started a Rosa for the German mm-hmm. market, which was kind of controlled by the UK, I think. Um, yep. And they, of course, had the riverboats, which they still have today, but as a different business. Um, but they also yeah. had um, the ocean-going vessels, which is am I right in saying it's where Aida take the lips of the front of their bows of their ships from? Well, that's interesting, you know, because Aida, um, Aida, I think was was de- developed first, oh. but um, the P and O as a well, before it was part of Carnival, they um, acquired. Well, they created the the, the um, Arosa offering, yeah. and they brought across the um, Princess Cruises ship. Um, it was the the Crown Princess, which ultimately ended up sailing as the Pacific Jewel in Australian waters, but would later go on to become Ocean Village Two. That's right. Um, and she sailed with um, Arosa, funnily enough, as their um, ocean going ship, and it didn't really work. So then she was transferred to Aida. And so she was Arosa Blue and then became Aida Blue and then ultimately was moved to oh. um, uh, to Ocean Village. And, you know, fun fact about that ship, getting completely derailed here, but I was <laughs> on her last voyage for the Carnival Corporation when she was finishing up with P&O Australia and we sailed from from Sydney across to uh, – I left the ship in Fremantle but it went up to Singapore for decommissioning and then it went off to be sold to um, – to Jalesh Cruises in India. And interestingly enough, when you walked through that ship, there, you know, in the corridors, there's like public telephones for you to call the purser's desk oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you've, yeah. There were still some of those with German <laughs> directions on them. So like the purser was written in German and the yeah. reception and that sort of stuff from its days at um, Arosa. And it had the little Arosa logo. You could <laughs> find a couple of telephones with the AIDA logo and you could still find a princess logo on one of the windows too so she had she had many many skins that ship and i i just wondered because she was lost during the pandemic she was retired and um and scrapped and i just wondered when they were taking her apart how many different um (laughs) brand marks they found scattered about that vessel yeah (laughs) incredible love it now chris have you got any videos uh, on the horizon so i've got um two new ones out uh the first is uh, the queen anne um sort of sneak peek that i put together which we shared last week yep yeah, I was hoping to have had time last in the last week to do the full 
sort of walk through, but it just didn't didn't happen. First first week back from travels, it was just a bit crazy. Um, but I have launched. R- Rochelle and I have actually launched the trailer for our new book, which is a, a new thing that the publishers um, are doing these days. That they're, they're um, asking for book trailers, which is kind of exciting, you know, kind mm. of putting a, a trailer together for your book. It sounds, it feels very Hollywood. Um, but this is the the um, evolution of the passenger ship, which we've been working on for several years now, um, and it's due out next month. And um, very, very excited about this book. It is a huge chunk of work to trace the evolution of passengers using ships all the way back to the sort of dawn of civilization. And then the book's main focus really is of course, that transition from sail to steam and then how our ocean line has evolved into, into cruise ships and the cruise ship boom that we've seen over the last um, few decades. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a fun, interesting book, I think, and um, the, the trailer is now on my YouTube channel and you can pre-order it um, across all of the online bookshops. So pre-orders make a huge difference for, for authors. So if anyone's interested, um, go and check it out. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll stick the link to a couple of the, the online stores where people can uh, pre-order in, in the show notes today as well. Thank you. Appreciate that. No problem. Now, uh, let's call it today, mates. Uh, let's uh, wrap things up. Apologies once again to listeners if you are receiving this later than usual. Technology uh, stumped us this week, and uh, we hope to have that rectified. And this should be with you. All being well, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, and then we'll be back to normal service not long after that. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, Take mate. Care. Hello, listeners. Uh, me again, and uh, just wanted to jump in and say, firstly, apologies. Uh, the technical issues that we had earlier in the week took a lot longer to rectify than uh, I ever imagined possible. We have got to the bottom of it. We have managed to sort it. The podcast is now visible on all the usual podcast directories. But if uh, you are struggling to find things in your personal favorite directory, do let us know via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Um, as a result of it taking much longer to get last week's episode up into uh, the uh, the airspace, um, there won't be another episode uh, this week. Uh, it just seems crazy to put two out in the space of a couple of days. Um, so normal service will resume next week. Um, and again, apologies that we, we had this little issue. Uh, hopefully moving forward, uh, things will be a lot smoother and... Uh, Hopefully we can share some exciting news with you in the next episode as well. Uh, So thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. Thank you for liking, subscribing, sharing, and doing everything you do uh, to support the podcast. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you um, next week with uh, another exciting episode. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.